From the southeastern corner of western North Carolina, this is Polklore. I'm your host, James Hernishan. For the second part of our series on education, let's turn to the student's point of view. I've known Miles Freeman for about a decade, since he was a student at Saluda Elementary, one of my son's friends. I'd like to be able to claim that I long ago recognized he would rise above the pack. You know, the way some teachers say they can identify right from kindergarten who will succeed and fail? Well, the truth is, Miles was pretty much like any other student, exceptionally good at some things like soccer, and a relatively free spirit who seemed to be able to choose friends wisely, but not obviously destined to take on the establishment. Fast forward to this past February, to the monthly meeting of the Polk Schools Board of Education. Like most meetings, the open portion wrapped up with public comments. One member of the audience walked to the microphone, spent the first 45 seconds of her allotted three minutes saying a prayer, and then launched into this. Um, I come today to address some concerns um, that Polk County School policies have for transgenders. As a mother of two students in the public public school system, I feel there's a safety concern. You're allowing genders to mix in the bathrooms and locker rooms. You have students that are non-transgenders who are uncomfortable. Um, you have dangerous situations that could happen. If you look at Loudoun County, Virginia, a, a non-conforming gender male in a skirt walked into a bathroom and violently raped a 15-year-old little girl. Now, am I saying that the transgenders at Polk County would do that? No. I know one of them people, and I'm not, specific, I'm not specifically gonna say that person, but I don't feel that that's what the case is here. But I feel like we're opening the doors for pedophiles to have more access to our children. And that's where we have to protect them. When those children that are not transgenders voice their concerns that they're uncomfortable, that's when we need to look at the policies again. The Lord made a biological male and a biological female you will always be a male if you were born a male, and you will always be a female if you were born a female. If you try to change that, you are saying that the Lord was wrong, that he made a mistake, and our God is perfect. He does not make mistakes. I just ask that you review the policies, that you look at the safety of the children, not just the transgenders, that you take into consideration the parents that weren't told about it, and we should have known from the get-go that you were allowing this in our school system. Thank you. Miles, along with a half dozen friends and allies, was in the high school auditorium that evening because he'd heard that kind of thing before and he knew he was going to hear it again. It was personal for Miles because until recently, he was known by his birth name, Maya. And over the past few years, he's been one of a small group of Polk High students who are making the transition from one gender to another, not because it's trendy, but because of who they really are. A few minutes later, Miles walked to the microphone to give a rebuttal. Even though I hadn't yet begun to work on this podcast, I knew right then that I wanted Miles to be a guest, if for no other reason than any 14-year-old who's brave enough to stand up to the bullying parents at a school board meeting deserves more than three minutes to be heard. We talked a few weeks ago in Saluda. Miles Freeman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm so glad you can make it. Uh, you've just come from a track meet, mm -hmm. I mean, track practice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does that take up a lot of your time? Yeah. Um, every day after school um, is practice and then meets are 
you know, sometimes we have two a week, one a week usually. So, yeah. And are you still do soccer? No. Um, I mean, our season's off for about a year because of high school. So, no, not at the moment. Okay. Yeah. Because I know you used to be all about soccer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was my big thing for a while, but now it's kind of track, I guess. Right. Yeah. Well, now, of course, um, you've gotten a little bit of a... Of a profile mm -hmm. for being someone who's an outspoken defender mm -hmm. of you and, and your fellow trans people, mm -hmm. right? And uh, we just listened to a kind of interesting uh, statement from a parent at that, that, at, in a couple, a couple months ago at the school board. What prompted you to take a leading role in uh, speaking up for yourself? To be honest, I think the biggest part was not so much for myself. Um, I wanted to defend my fellow trans uh, friends, peers, you know, people that I know. Um, my closest friend, one of my closest friends was directly impacted by everything that this person was doing, the speaker at the meeting. And mainly I did it for him. He was the driving force of me speaking out and defending our rights, I feel. Another big part would be educating uh, the masses there at that meeting. I know that a lot of people, probably about like half of them, were definitely not <laughs> for defending trans people. They were on the opposing side, or I guess oppressing. Um, and I know that many of them have never actually sat down and like talked with a trans person, or actually probably have not even researched half the stuff that actually happens uh, in a trans someone's transition. So I thought that that would be my opportunity to give trans people a voice and give Polk County some representation because I've never seen any in Polk County or surrounding. Well, I think it's an issue that uh, probably a lot of people want to skirt around, mm -hmm. right? I mean, when, when you came to that school board meeting and you had to sit through that little lecture from a woman who I think is a little bit confused yeah. about something. For instance, she references a Loudoun, Virginia issue. With that issue did not involve a non-conforming boy that they were actually boyfriend, girlfriend, mm -hmm. and they were just, it was from a lot different from yeah. what she's trying to say and using as an example of what bad stuff can happen. Mm -hmm. So what was it like sitting there listening to that? Enraging, most definitely. Um, I mean, it was very hard to sit down and not say anything, of course, but, you know, I had to keep it civil. And um, really, it helped me gain confidence to go up and speak after her. I'm kind of glad that she set the tone so I could go up there and speak my mind and speak my part. So she's kind of helpful. But <laughs> yeah, it was definitely hard to listen to. But you weren't alone there. No, not at all. Yeah, and this is what really impressed me is you had a small posse of uh, <laughs> of allies, yeah. right? And Molly Turman, yep. is, is that her name? Yeah. Uh, she gave a really strong mm -hmm. uh, explanation of why you, you and other trans kids need a little bit of respect and support. Mm -hmm. uh, so how... How strong is that support network in, in, in Polk High? 
It honestly depends on where you go. Um, if you find the right people, I know a lot of teachers ever since that meeting have shown their support and have gone out of their way to say, you know, if you ever need to talk or if you never need anything, I'm an ally. And that's greatly appreciated. I think that's awesome. Polk has opened up many uh, counseling resources now for queer youth, especially not just queer youth, but everyone. And I think that's very helpful um, for me personally. You know, I know I know trans people at school, tight knit group of friends have been like my number one support through this. So I think if you don't pay attention to some of the negativity, I think there is definitely some, but they are the loudest speakers um, in Polk. They're, they have the loudest voices. I think if you pay attention to the minority of hate, people do show um, their true colors in a very good light. So I think it's, it's okay if you know where to look. Well, this is the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand, um, that there's not a huge number mm -hmm. of trans people in the general population, right? Yeah. It's like single, really yeah. low single oh, digits. Yeah. It's not like the world's going to get taken over by trans people. Exactly. And yet, there's, I don't know, it almost seems like this is the latest thing to get upset about, right? Mm -hmm. And trying to look at it from the other point of view, though, simply that people are struggling to get used to changes in society. I mean, people have just gotten used to gay people mm -hmm. being treated with respect and being part of our culture and being on television and movies and not as a token gay person, but just they happen to be gay. So people have just gotten used to that. And now we throw trans at them too, right? So can you see why people are struggling to sort of come to grips with this? I'm not not saying it's fair, no. but I'm trying to get trying to get inside their head. It, it's not that they are driven by hatred or disgust. It's like they're just having they don't like change. Yeah, right. You represent change. Yeah, yeah. I think and I've, a lot of people have said this. People fear what they don't understand, and I think because it's so foreign to them, the idea of someone not feeling as how they were born, how their gender at birth. So um, I think the fact that they don't understand it, even if I mean, sometimes maybe they don't even try to come across as hate, hateful. Um, but the things that they say are so bigoted and so um, just set in. I want <laughs> I don't even know how to phrase this. Their ideas are set so far back. They don't they don't want to change. And I feel like they're so comfortable in how they live. They don't see the need. And yeah, they're just afraid of change. I feel like. Well, we're in a rural part of the yeah. state. I mean, this is not Manhattan, right? We're never going to elect an AOC. So how, how fast can we expect people to sort of come to grips with the new reality? Um, I honestly think it depends on how, hard it's pushed. Um, ever since the board meeting happened and since this debate started rising, I've seen a lot of people become more moderate. I feel like they're kind of set in the middle instead of um, right on the side of, you know, this this can't happen. Trans people shouldn't exist. You know, this isn't right. Um, they've become more like sets in. I don't really care um, as long as they don't force it on me which I would rather have than outwardly saying, you know, like this isn't correct and I disagree fully. Um, and so I think, I feel like the more that it's pushed and the more that it's brought into light, um, the more that people see that, you know, we're humans too and we just want to live normally just as everyone else. Um, I think people will start to change their mind. Now, th there is a difference between 
the way an idea spreads through a, a local community like Polk County and the way in which ideas are propagated through the national media, right? Now, if you were to spend all of your time watching the national news, you'd hear things like in Idaho or, or, or Texas where they're trying to say that parents who support their trans kids are engaging in some sort of child abuse. Or in Florida, they're talking about you can't say gay in the classroom. That's it's easy to understand how that would motivate people to get really upset and worried about things. But I want to understand how the community in Polk County is dealing with this. Uh, I mean, do you sense that when people locally are, are forced to engage with you or have to deal with real human beings and not just news headlines, that, it, that there's more progress can be made? Uh, yeah, I think so. Totally. Um, it really helps to actually, I feel like the biggest part is meeting people and talking to them and sit down and actually see the face that they hate. I think that was a big thing. That was also a big drive for my speech at the um, board meeting was that I'm giving a face to this hate. And I think it definitely silenced some people. Do you think that for the lack of a better word, the opposition mm -hmm. was expecting to hear from you and Molly? No, I honestly, I mean, I knew, I feel like they felt that we would be too scared to speak. <laughs> I like disproving them. <laughs> well, I think you probably accomplished something to that, to that end. I would hope so. Yeah. I would like to think so. I mean, was there any changes noticeable in school after that? I haven't heard anything regarding me and my trans peers um, since the meeting. I've heard that the administration only got one call, one complaint from like, I don't even know how many people were there, but one, one person complained. And I thought that that was pretty awesome. Like, wasn't expecting that. Okay. But you're painting a relatively positive picture mm -hmm. of your place in the, in, in the, Know, the high school ecosystem in sense that most kids seem to be relatively either I don't care it's not my business or or supportive but at the board meeting you and Molly both talked about a lot of negative stuff coming mm -hmm. down I don't want to get too personal but how often do you run into something that reminds you that there are still a lot of resistance to accepting you for who you are oh every day Every day. Yeah. I always hear, I can hear conversations around me, like complaining about how all these new genders are rising. Like, oh my gosh, they're trying to make up all these things. You know, people still haven't made it past gay people yet at school. And like every day I can hear people just complaining and bashing queer people for no reason. They just, yeah, that's really. Well, you, have you just developed a thick skin? Yeah, I kind of learned to not let that get past me because I know that their ignorance, they're just not educated. And I would love to be able to sit down and talk with every one of these people and show them like, hey, it's okay. Like, you don't need to really worry about it. There's nothing to worry about. But yeah, it, it takes a, it took a while. Like, I've been part of this community since fourth or fifth grade. And it definitely, I wouldn't have felt the same about this probably three years ago, but after some time to develop a thick skin, it, yeah. So is it just kind of disappointing to hear that you have to go to school every day knowing that, okay, someone's going to give me grief, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there have always been outcasts. There's nerds or geeks or, or, or 
people who just don't look normal or, or they have problems with their weight. So it's not like you're the first person to have to deal with being ostracized, right? But do you, do you see a trajectory towards it getting better? Yeah, I do. I honestly think that if we take more action and if we have more representation and if we could get things done in our little town, then I feel like it would be an eye opener for a lot of people. What are the the obstacles or who are the obstacles? Is it the is it the parents? Is it you know the the school system or is it the school population, the student population? I think it's all the above. I think that all of those combined kind of makes a pretty big wall to climb over. Um, you know, I think the main driving force is all the adults around us, specifically like the parents, um, I guess would probably, they, you know, they're the ones that are teaching their kids this. And like in most cases, the kids are better than the parents, even if they are um, somewhat bigoted in their opinions, it's much better than what their parents think. In the same way that young people kind of drove the acceptance of, mm -hmm. of gay lifestyles. Yeah. Right? And, and okay. Who should be sort of getting off the fence and being more proactive? I mean, I don't hear much from our political representatives, either, you know, the county yeah. level or the, the, the towns, uh, certainly not from our, our congr congressmen, right? Mm -hmm. um, is there an opportunity to maybe ask county commissioners or, or someone to, at least say something if i could find an opportunity i would most definitely love to take it because people i feel like a lot of people in our community turn to those people for like words of i want to say guidance but and i feel like if we had some representation from people like our congress and like stuff like that um our administrators everything i think it would open an eye for a lot of people here well we might have to wait a while <laughs> yeah, for, it might take right, a while but right, right. yeah well, you're you're 15 mm -hmm. and you just turned 15? Yeah, in February. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Making it that far. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, another three, four years and you're going to probably go off to school somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, it's too soon to ask you where, where you're, you're thinking of going. But does your experience as a, a young trans man in Polk County affect how you might think about where you want to go? Yeah. Um, I mean, personally, I would love to go to a, a place that's definitely more accepting, like anywhere, like even Asheville, somewhere surrounding a, just a, any place I feel like, um, like outside of Polk and Hendersonville and stuff is pretty accepting. Um, I would, yeah, love to go to a, a probably city like that. That's the only places that I've been that has, I've seen a lot of people like me and I've seen a lot of like representation um, there. So probably somewhere like that. Right. I mean, we don't expect uh, young people to stick around Polk County or Henderson <laughs> County immediately. Yeah. But I think parents always say, well, maybe you want to come home someday. And I, I'm thinking maybe in 10 or 20 years, things might be a little different you might be a little less hostile around here. Yeah, I would hope so. That's what I would, I, uh, part of me is kind of like, I would love to leave Polk to get to a more uh, open place, but I feel like I would also love to be the driving force of change here and try and help things move forward. Well, that's why you're on the podcast. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> yeah. So the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, it, it, it really to make you more than just a, uh, an activist for one issue is it, 
you know, you, you're a percussionist, mm-hmm. you're an athlete. How would you like to be perceived by, you know, people that you meet rather than being saying, oh, you're the trans kid, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> how, how would you like to be de- defined? Honestly, I think there's a lot more things that people see than that trans kid. You know, I have like half red hair and I wear crazy shirts every day. Like, I feel like there's a lot more um, that people do perceive me as. I honestly, I like being known as like the weird kid. You know, that's kind of like the title that I've taken um, in high school. And being that kind of, I, I love diving into arts and like music, uh, painting. Um, I, I like being well-rounded um, in athletics along with like academics, you know? So I think, um, I don't know if I could really label one thing, but I feel like being known as just an overall, just like miles, (laughs) it's just miles. And I think that's kind of what I want to get across. I am a lot. That's my main point is that I'm a lot more than the label trans. And sometimes I'm really adamant or I don't want to tell people because all they're going to see me is just like, they're just going to see that trans kid. So, yeah. What about your thoughts on Polk high school? I mean, outside of the challenge of being accepted for who you are, which everyone has to face. Mm -hmm. One of the things this, this first few episodes of this podcast is trying to do is, is evaluate our school system because it is something that I think most people take pride in, mm-hmm. right? Polk High and Polk schools are generally rated as among the best in the state. And um, some people keep saying they're number two. I think we're probably a little bit lower than that most of the time. But how would you rate it? Like, do you think it warrants uh, a, a lot of pride? I think, I think, yeah, everyone in that school is very prideful of the school that they go to and attend. I, I personally, I think it is a pretty good school. Um, it's really small, which kind of doesn't um, help a lot of things. Um, you know, there's probably a lot more that we could do if we had like the funding, if we had the staff. Um, but I think for what we have right now, um, Polk is a pretty good school. I think it's, it's a good school system. It's okay. Well, that's, again, that's I think that <laughs> most people like to believe that they've got one of the better school systems in North Carolina, and. That's always going to cloud their judgment because you yeah. want to be proud of your of your local school, right? Mm-hmm. But I, the first episode of this podcast, I talked to uh, Miss Reinhardt. Did you ever have her? I went to a camp with her once. Yeah, like, I, yeah. yeah. and uh, she told me that people should stop criticizing a lot of the things that is going on in the last six, seven months during COVID. We've had so much grief, oh, yeah. uh, you know, headed at the school board and the schools in general. But she said, look. You know, the schools are pretty darn good and um, we should feel lucky. Mm-hmm. And the the one question I want to get is, why do you think that is? Is it because of the quality of the teachers? Is it just the nature of the community as a whole? I think looking past um, how divided we could get, I mean, I think everyone in some sense is like, unified somewhat. Um, I mean, especially with my mom being a teacher, I know how hard the staff works and I know that they do try their hardest at what they do. Um, I mean, at least from what I've heard and seen. And I think that we do have a very, I I think there's positives and negatives to having a small community. Um, And with Polk being a pretty small one, I think that we, in a sense, do have um, kind of, I would say mutual aid for each other. We, I feel like a lot of people are there 
for one another, um, looking past our differences. For the most part, um, people in Polk do still care about each other. And you've, so you're looking forward to the next three years, the last three years? Yeah, I mean, it's high school, so <laughs> like how could, how good could it get? You know, it's okay, but yeah. All right, well, that's a good ending point. Mm -hmm. uh, just one other question. Mm -hmm. I kind of like to get my guests to give a sense of what they would like others to uh, be consuming in forms of, of media, music, art. So have you got any suggestions musically maybe musically yeah oh man um you know for me i think i don't know if i can name anyone in particular but i feel like a great place to start would be your local music that's like my big thing i love the local music around here um anywhere in like western north carolina i think uh, it ranges from like every everything every genre and i think that would be like a great place to start <laughs> if you really want to get out there um in your local like i would say scene and stuff i would start locally all right great yeah. thanks very much of course yeah thank um, you maybe we'll do this again sometime mm -hmm. uh after you know we've had a chance to see how things evolve yeah yeah for sure all right thanks again yeah thank you that's it for this week's episode we finish this three-part series on education next time with a talk with the superintendent of polk schools in the meantime, you can contact me at jameshh at polklore.com with your feedback and guest suggestions for future shows. Thanks for listening.